Hello, this is Dr. Shantae and welcome to another episode of Whole and Complete Podcast. I am your host and this is the podcast all about faith and wellness, loving God and living well so that we can live whole and complete lives. So I'm in a good mood. I hope you're in a good mood. The election has come and gone. There was so much anxiety leading up to the election itself. And then it dragged out for almost a week. And then at 1126 on November the 7th, the verdict was in and we had elected a new president of these United States, as well as the first ever woman vice president of these United States. And you know, I am all about it. As soon as uh, the race was called for Biden in Wisconsin, I booked a plane ticket. Now, I don't know if COVID is going to let us be great at this inauguration, but your girl is planning to be there up in these streets. And so, of course, it's not entirely over because the current incumbent of the White House just, you know, no, I'm not going to give him any airtime on my show. Not at all. But let's pray that that situation resolves itself amicably, quickly, so that we can move on as a country and rebuild and heal and all that good stuff. So if you are brand new to this podcast, I am Dr. Shantae, and this is a series podcast. What that means is we tackle a specific topic and we go deep into it. We do a deep dive. We uh, cover it in depth over probably about three or four episodes. And then we move on to our next topic. And this is one that I have been chomping at the bit to get into for season two, because in so many ways, I think it really sets the tone for how this season is going to play out. And so this is the confidence series, and I'm excited to bring this to you. So as we often do, we will start this series with a guiding scripture. And today's scripture comes from Hebrews chapter 13, verse six. And it says this, so we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So today we're going to be talking about defining terms, where and how we struggle and what that struggle means. So as we often do with our series, we are going to start with some definitions and we are going to start with the definition of confidence. So confidence is the feeling or belief that one can rely on someone or something. It is a firm trust. Confidence can also be being certain about the truth of something, a feeling of self-assurance arising from one's own appreciation of their abilities or qualities. I'll repeat this. Confidence is the feeling or belief that one can rely on someone or something. In other words, you feel you can trust someone or you can trust something. It is a firm trust. It is to be certain about the truth of something. So you are confident about what your first name is. You know the truth of that. It is a feeling of self-assurance arising from one's appreciation of one's own abilities or qualities. In other words, I got this, okay? So even though there are multiple definitions, they all converge and center around this chief notion of a firm 
belief, a firm trust of reliance to be certain about the truth of something. And I need you to hang on to this as we navigate this series. Now, to put this in a spiritual context, spiritual confidence is a palpable sense of absolute conviction. So what does it mean palpable? Meaning it's it's so real you can almost touch it and and feel it in your hands almost. It's it's that real to you. It is a palpable sense of absolute conviction that cannot be affected by external or internal fluctuations. It's being absolutely sure. It's knowing before you know that you know. I love this definition. The palpable sense of absolute conviction that cannot be affected by external or internal fluctuations. In other words, you are so convinced, you are so convicted that you cannot be swayed by what is happening outside in the world or in your life or by your own internal doubts and wonderings and questionings. You are absolute in this. It is being absolutely sure. It's knowing before you know that you know. So now that we have these working definitions of confidence, let's pull this out so that we can have a firm understanding as we navigate through the rest of this episode. So this series, the confidence series, is one that I feel will set the tone for the rest of the season of this podcast. After several years of coaching a number of clients, so if you are new to this podcast, I spent a long time uh, coaching clients on branding and marketing and developing themselves and their ideas, uh, small business owners, all sorts of stuff. And after a number of years of coaching those clients and facilitating workshops at conferences and churches and women's groups, I have seen so many people call their dreams forward in the excitement of the moment in the excitement of the workshop, in the excitement of the synergy that is created when you're in a room full of creative people. And I have also seen that same excitement die in the work of all that is required to bring that dream to fruition. I have seen dreams die not because the dreamer lacks the money or the desire or the skill or the creativity, or even the will to execute it. I have seen those dreams die because the dreamer lacks the faith. Your dreams, or lack thereof, are a direct reflection of your faith, okay? So when we're talking about confidence, that feeling, that belief, that assurance, you have faith in that thing, that firm trust, that is faith, that that palpable conviction that cannot be swayed by external or internal fluctuations, that is faith. That is firm faith. And through all my years of coaching and, and workshopping and all of the public speaking, all of it, I see people get swept up in the in the the excitement of the moment and the 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 fervor of the speaker and the yes and okay and yay, okay, sis, all of that in the room in the room where it happens, right? But then when it's time to go home and execute, somehow, some way, something, some voice creeps into the psyche, creeps into the mind, creeps into the heart 
or you go home excited and tell your your family or your friends about all that you experienced and witnessed and they looking at you like, mm, we out of milk. <laughs> you know, so it's 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 something like that when when the excitement didn't didn't meet your expectations and then all of a sudden you start to wonder. You start to wander and you start to doubt. And so this series sets the tone for the podcast because we are for this season of the podcast, because we are coming out of those woods. Okay. We are coming out of those woods. And I will tell you this, and I can say this confidently. If after this series, if after this season, you still don't have the faith, the wherewithal, the conviction, the confidence and the belief to execute your dreams, it will not be because you were not equipped because even as I was constructing this, this very episode that I'm recording right now, I had done an outline for it weeks ago, okay, months ago. And when I sat down to actually do it, God was like, nope, we're making a pivot. Nope, we're making a pivot. Nope, we're going to talk about this. And nope, we're going to talk about that. So what that means is this message is specifically for somebody. It has your name on it. You are not listening to this by happenstance or coincidence. You didn't just happen to scroll through. Oh, no. God switched up my entire game plan just for you to hear what I have to say on this particular episode. And so if at the end of this episode or this series or this season, you are not confidently executing what God has deposited in your spirit and in your mind and in your heart and equipped you to do, it will not be because you didn't know, you didn't hear. It will be because you lack faith, okay? So confidence is a boldness. Confidence is trust, that firm trust, that assurance, that faith. Confidence is, you know, to to use an analogy, confidence is knowing that you are about to set the other team in spades because you got both jokers and the ace. And when you have a hand like that, you sit there with this quiet smugness because you know how it's going to play out. You have already seen the end before it arrives. You know how many books they committed to. You know how many books you and your partner committed to. And you know that based on what you have in your hand, there is no way that they are going to make those books. And some people, you know, they spoil it. They just throw the cards down and be like, y'all sit. And, you know, they just start the game over and, and all of that. But some people, a lot of people savor the moment. I'm one of those people because I know what's coming. So, you know, you sit there with that quiet smugness because you know how it's going to play out. You see the end before it arrives and you just continue to play your part, knowing that you are going to be victorious in the end. Now, sidebar, if you are a black person listening to this episode and you don't know how to play spades, I am giving you the heavy side eye. I mean, like the hard, heavy side eye because I mean, okay, bid whist, I can understand that. That that requires a different level of skill set. But spades, spades, come on, spades. If you don't know how to play spades, that needs to be on your Christmas bucket list. It'll take you all of an hour to learn how to play spades. Now, of course you have to learn to get good at it, but I mean, come on spades, but yeah, it's that kind of confidence. It's knowing what the outcome is going to be before it actually arrives, which brings us to the book of James. James is one of my favorite books in the Bible. It is actually the book of the Bible for which this entire podcast whole and complete 
is named. So if you read the first chapter of James, it is all about the endurance of trials. And in that first chapter in verses five through seven, it says, now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. But here's the caveat. He must ask in faith without doubting because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So let's put this in the context of this episode. But he must ask in faith with firm trust, with confidence, without doubting, without wavering, with that palpable conviction, because he who does not possess the palpable conviction is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. In other words, can be affected by any sort of fluctuations, whatever the temperature of the room is or the, the climate of the time, that person can waver. That man, verse seven, and this is key, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So as I said, this chapter is mostly about rejoicing during trials. This is where James says that we should consider it nothing but joy when we face trials of various kinds because of what it will produce in us. But he also says that as we are in the midst of a trial, which many of us are right now, I mean, COVID is a trial. This pandemic is a trial. Being uh, in the United States of America with all this political tension and drama playing out is a trial. But he says, when you're in the midst of these things, he says, if you need spiritual understanding, which is what wisdom is, okay? So if you need spiritual understanding and clarity, he says that we should ask God who gives generously to all who are unwavering in faith. So what this tells you, it tells you something about God and it tells you something about you. He says that God gives generously to all without finding fault if, here's the you part, they ask in unwavering faith, unwavering, unshakable, unmovable, unquestionable. You are certain, you are certain, you know that you know that you know. Okay, so here's the hitch. Here's the hitch. Here's the hiccup. Okay. If God is the very source of abundance, the giver of life and everything in the earth is his and it belongs to him. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, meaning the earth is his and everything that is in it. If his character is so generous, then why do so many of our dreams go unfulfilled? Why are so many of our lives the reflection of fear and doubt or desperate decisions or settling for what you could get at the time? If all it takes is unwavering faith and confidence to activate God's liberality, his generosity, then the question is, why do so many of us miss the mark? Well, that brings us to where and how we struggle. So we're going to stay in the book of James. And one of the ways in which we struggle is with our words. James chapter three, six through 10 says this, and I'm gonna tell you this, James, James like Romans can be challenging. Romans chapter 12 to me is one of the most challenging uh, book and chapters of the Bible because of the 
guidelines that it lays out for how you are ought to walk on this earth. And I'm like, oh, that's a high bar. And I missed the mark a lot. And James is one of those books, like the entire book of James is like that. But here in chapter three, uh, verses six through 10, it talks about the taming of the tongue. And it says this, the tongue is a fire. It is a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hail. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. So in the same breath that you were praising God for Joe Biden or Kamala Harris winning the election, in the next breath, you were cursing out the 70 million people who voted for the other guy. And James is saying, this ought not to be so, okay? It is a restless evil. And to put this in in a different light, one of the books that I highly recommend, and I'm gonna tell you this, getting through those first couple of chapters is like it takes some mental hurdles (laughs) to overcome because I'm like okay let me let me take another stab at this because he wrote it in such a way that I just was not expecting all of the analogies and the allegories and things like that so I really just had to prepare for it and, and kind of like double back but the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz are about these agreements that we make with ourselves about how we ought to live. And the first agreement is be impeccable with your word. And it is because he says words are incredibly powerful. They can be used for good or to hurt others or ourselves. So basically what I'm about to read to you is from his book, The Four Agreements, but I feel like it directly parallels and paraphrases exactly what I just read to you from James. So in this way, we can think of them as black magic or white magic. Words are like seeds in a fertile human mind. We can plant goodness or fear. The first agreement asks us to be impeccable with our words. This is the agreement on which all the other agreements rest. Abiding by this agreement alone can change your life. So what does it mean to be impeccable with your word? It's about saying exactly what you mean. It means speaking with integrity. The literal meaning of impeccable is being without sin. So you can think of being impeccable with your word as not sinning against yourself or others when you speak. Woo! That hit me in my back, okay? And it should hit you in your back. When we think about the words that we speak or the words that we speak to others or the words that we speak to ourselves, Many of us are speaking, Don Miguel Ruiz calls it black magic into our lives. The word of God calls it a re- unruly and restless evil. Some of us had these really affirming childhoods where you were loved and doted on and you were scarcely privy to an unkind word. 
And if that is your story and your testimony, may the Lord God bless you real good because that is great. And then there's like the rest of us because many of us were raised by people who did not have the tools to resolve the hurt and trauma in their own lives. I'm going to repeat that. Many of us were raised by people who did not have the tools to resolve the hurt and trauma in their own lives. And many of us were raised by people who did not know how to express love except in harsh words, except in name calling, except in profanities. Some of us grew up in families where we were slut shamed or called fast before we even knew what that really was. So later on down in this season, I have a whole series on mama trauma. Oh, baby, we we going to get deep. You're going to need tissues on that one. But a lot of us were raised in environments where words were spoken to us and over us that that made us diminish, that that made us doubt, that made us question our greatness and, and who God had called us to be. And so the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it says, you know, let us make man in our own image. And so we are made in the image and likeness of God. We are made in the image and likeness of God. And James says that we are cursing people out that are made in the likeness and image of God. Uh, The Bible says that we are cursing people who God has assigned for greatness. And so if you are made in the likeness and image of God, and then you have somebody coming along calling you some fast tale this, or you need to sit your A down, or you stupid A this, or this and this and this and this and that, that attacks and attaches itself to your spirit. Some of us grew up and found ourselves because of that. Some of us grew up and found ourselves in relationships with people who did not love themselves. Okay. And by extension did not know how to love you. So they poisoned your mind and they poisoned your dreams with their words by making you feel guilty about having a dream or pursuing your dream. And, the words that tend to have the most power, the ones that seem to really anchor in our spirit are the ones that are spoken out of hurt or anger or jealousy or fear. And when you want to have faith and when you try to have confidence, those are the words that start to bud and bear fruit as reminders that you don't have the right to dream, that you don't have enough to dream, that you are not destined for greatness. And it's not just the words of other people. We can be extremely unkind to ourselves. We lie to ourselves to insulate our feelings from being hurt. We say things like, I don't care, or I'm so over it. No, I'm good and doggone well, you ain't over it. (laughs) We tell ourselves that we're not good enough. We tell ourselves to give up because it didn't work the first 10 times. We use words to protect ourselves from hurt, to temper the expectations of loved ones so they don't experience the disappointments that we did. There are people in your life whose dreams did not come to fruition because they did not have the confidence to execute them either. And so to keep you from getting too high in the clouds for getting your feelings hurt or for floating too too high off the ground, they anchored you with lowered expectations about what you should be able to expect. They, they anchored you with harsh words so that you could manage your expectations so that you wouldn't dream so big that you would end up disappointed 
as they were and they never worked out and resolved their disappointment. And we hold on to the hurtful words of other people because it seems easier than trying. But our guided scripture says we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I used to say this all the time on the Believe in Bigger podcast, and I will say it here. Friends, we are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory. We're not fighting for it. We're fighting from it. In the end, we win. In the end, we have life everlasting. In the end, Jesus will come back and restore all the crooked paths. He'll make the crooked paths straight and there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, all of that. Okay. So in the end, we are victorious. So the writer here of Hebrews is saying, (laughs) what do I have to be afraid of? What can man do to me when I already know what my end is going to be? So whatever the last breath I take, you know, and however I take it, I already know what the end is going to be. So it's not just what can man do to me, but it's also what can man say to me? Romans chapter eight, right about at verse 32. And this is so key. This is so key. Don't miss this. Please don't miss this because this is the crux of the whole thing. Romans 8.32 says, God did not keep back his own son. Some versions say God did not withhold his own son, but he gave him for us. If God did this, won't he freely give us everything else? If God says his chosen ones are acceptable to him, can anyone bring charges against them? Or can anyone condemn them? No, indeed. Christ died and was raised to life. And now he is at God's right side, speaking to him for us. So what does this say? So not only is the writer of Hebrews saying, what can man do to me? But Paul, the writer of Romans is saying, what can man say to me? God broke heaven's treasure to redeem my soul from hell. And so if he did that, if he gave that, everything else is sprinkles on the cupcake. Like if he could do that, everything else is gravy. And if God says that I am acceptable to him with all of my faults and all of my flaws and all of my mistakes and all of my shortcomings and all of my everything, if God says that I am enough for him, The writer here, Paul is saying, can anyone bring charges against you if God has already said I'm okay? Or can anyone condemn you? He says, no, indeed. He says Christ died and was raised to life. And that, see, that's the shout right there. Christ died and was raised to life, which is great because of Christ's resurrection. So the the joy that we celebrate at Easter or Resurrection Sunday is just that. It's the resurrection. It's not in the death. It's in the getting up. So that is always the rejoicing. But here's the beauty. Here's the love. Here's the mm -mm good. Christ died and was resurrected and redeemed our souls from the pit of hell. But then, and that was enough for the record. Like that was enough, full stop. Like if he never did anything else, that was so good. But then the writer says, and now, right now, 
He is at God's right side doing what? Speaking to him for who? For us. In other words, regardless of what somebody has said to you or about you, Jesus is speaking for you. Do you get that? Regardless of what somebody has said to you or about you, what they're going to say, what they said 10 years ago, Jesus right now is speaking for you. And so that is why we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Philippians 1, 6, this is Paul again. He says, being confident of this very thing. Some versions say, and I am certain of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So just because it hasn't happened yet, doesn't mean it's not going to happen ever. He says, I am confident in this. What is confidence? It is palpable conviction that cannot be deviated based on external fluctuations or internal fluctuations. In other words, no matter what it looks like, I am confident that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you this, folks, you know, if I were a believer in in Christ in the Bible days, And I saw all of this play out. I had all my hopes and dreams and the Savior and the Messiah. And then I saw him up on that cross being spit on and whipped and and hung and bleeding and, and shamed. If I saw him bearing all of that, I don't know that my soul could take it. Like literally, I don't know how many of you saw that movie, The Passion of the Christ. That was a one and done for me. <laughs> that was not a repeat performance. I was so overcome in that movie. My whole face was just swole from crying. So to be able to see that and then he gave up the ghost and then they took him down and buried him. Can you imagine the the sense of defeat? Can you imagine trying to reconcile all the things that he told you about who he is and who he was and the son of God and all of that, reconciling that with the body that's laying dead in a tomb. Can you imagine trying to bring the those two ideas together to try to bridge that gap? And so for a time, for three days, it wasn't looking good. But look how that story turned out. Look how how that how that came full circle. So when you struggle with confidence because of the words that are spoken over your life, into your life, or your dreams that do not align with what the word of God says about you, then you have to question that. You have to check that. You have to bridge that gap. I know what it looks like, but what did he say? But Lord, you, you, don't, you don't know what he said and you don't know what he did and you haven't seen my bank balance. But what did he say? What did he say? What did he say? You know why they call the devil a liar? Because that's what the Bible says. That's exactly what the Bible says that he is. In John chapter eight, verse 44, it says that he is a liar and he is the father of lies. And the devil will use anybody father, mother, sister, brother, best friend, anybody to speak lies into your heart, into your mind and into your dreams. And when that happens, you have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. And the choice is this. Will you believe the truth of God's word or will you believe the lies that you can't do it, that you won't make it, that it's too late, 
that you're too old, that you don't have enough, that you don't know enough, and so on and so on. Psalms 138.8 says, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. That means whether it happens today or tomorrow or next week or next year, God is going to hold up his end of the bargain. And the question that I have for you listeners is, will you? Will you hold up your end of the bargain? Will you walk by faith and not by sight? Will you walk by faith and not by sight? The Bible says without faith, without confidence, without that palpable, unwavering conviction, it is not possible to please God. And so if you are looking at all of the things that you aspire to do or the dreams that God has placed in your heart and then all the things you tell yourself about why they're not happening, I need you to bring those things under submission. As I said in series number one, because we have power to break down strongholds. Okay, we cannot fight earthly battles with, uh, I mean, spiritual battles with earthly weapons. So to bring those thoughts captive, to take those thoughts captive, okay, and bring them under submission to the word of God. The Bible says at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. There is power. There is power. And the problem is either we don't believe in the power or we don't activate the power because we do not have the unwavering faith and conviction and firm palpable belief that God is who he says he is and he will do what he said he's going to do. So you have a choice to make. God is going to hold up his end of the bargain. Are you going to hold up yours? So that brings us to the end of this episode, folks. Uh, Part two of the confidence series continues next week. And listen, if you, first of all, thank you for those of you who have been leaving um, reviews of this podcast. I appreciate you so, so much. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you. And those of you that send me inbox messages telling me how much you appreciate the podcast and that you're glad that it's back. I appreciate you so much. If you are an Apple podcast listener, please leave a review for this podcast because when you do that, it makes it easier for other people to find the podcast. That algorithm starts to uh, create visibility. And so if you would do that, that would be super helpful and save the date. So I am not going to leave the year without my gift to you. Save the date. So the week of December 7th, I'm going to be doing a seminar series on confidence. So do you get the podcast series? Yes, you do. But I'm also doing a seminar series because it's really time to put some meat on the bone. It's time for me to interact with you and and get you grounded and ready for going into 2021 with that confident, palpable conviction. And so the week of December 7th, I'm going to be doing three sessions. So it's going to be a seminar series, three sessions, uh, Zoom sessions, virtual, where you and I get to talk and interact, um, group sessions uh, from 12 to 1 p.m. So that would be 12 noon uh, Central Standard Time to 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. So even my people in the UK, y'all will not be in bed yet. Like your time, it'll be like seven, eight o'clock. So you can still hop in for that hour. And so we're going to meet three times that week. And guess what, y'all? Merry Christmas. It's only 40 bucks. So the vault is not open for that yet, but you will definitely want to pounce on it when it is. By the time, um, I think I'm opening up the the uh, gate on that next week, if I'm correct on my calendar. It's not in front of me right now. But mark your calendars the week of December 7th for that seminar series. I promise you will not want to miss it. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns, thoughts about this episode, you can holler at your girl at Dr. Shante Says, and I will see you next time.